0: I hear this all the time from people saying, I don't need to have this conversation yet. We're not there yet. My parents are still healthy. They're relatively young. This is the perfect time to have the conversation.
1: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about how we can have important money conversations with our parents. As our parents get older, their money problems can sometimes become our problems if we don't plan ahead. And if we're raising children at the same time, well, there's a reason they're calling us the sandwich generation. Today on the show, I've invited Cameron Huddleston to talk to us about how we can have that money talk with our parents And why we need to have it right away. Cameron is the author of the new book, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. How to have essential conversations with your parents about their finances. She's also an award-winning personal finance journalist whose work has appeared in Kiplinger's Personal Finance, the Chicago Tribune, Yahoo Finance, and MSN. And last but not least, she's also a mother to three awesome kiddos. Welcome to the show, Cameron. Thanks for having me
0: on. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Well, this is a really important conversation, and I'm excited to have you here. So why did you personally feel called to write a book on this subject?
0: Right, I must be crazy. <laughs> who, who in the world would write a book about this? <laughs> uh, you know, I wrote it because of my own experience with my mother. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease when she was sixty-five. I was only thirty-five. I still, I have three kids at the time when she was diagnosed. I had two. One of them was still in diapers. Mm. I mean, <laughs> talk about the sandwich generation. And I had not had conversations with my mother, detailed conversations with her about her finances. But suddenly I was thrown into a position where I was going to have to start helping her with her finances. And so not knowing what sort of accounts she had, it was like trying to put together this puzzle without knowing what the financial, the final picture was supposed to look like. And, you know, on top of it, emotions were running high. I mean, my mother is realizing that she's having trouble remembering things. I'm trying to step in for obvious reasons. And it just, you know, it, it made it very awkward. And if I had talked to her sooner, we would have had a much better plan. We wouldn't have been figuring things out on the fly. You know, I wouldn't have felt like I was making decisions for her without having input beforehand as to what sort of care she would want, how she would want things handled. You know, and so fast forward several years from the point when she got the diagnosis, my friends started coming to me, asking me, how do I talk to my parents about their finances? I'm noticing that mom is having issues or my mother-in-law or my father-in-law, and we need to have these conversations. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm supposed to know. And that's when I realized that, my own experiences could help other people, that people didn't have to go through this on their own like I did, and so that's why I wrote the book.
1: Hmm. That's incredible, incredible. So the conversations you were able to have with your mother, even though she had the diagnosis, were they beneficial at that time? What were you able to accomplish even though her her mental health was failing?
0: I did it wasn't the funny thing was I wasn't afraid to talk to my mom about her finances I am a financial journalist as you said and so talking about money is not difficult for me and my mother didn't treat money as a taboo topic um but because I was having to get involved because of her memory issues, that's what made it complicated. I had a wonderful opportunity to talk to her before her diagnosis when I had moved from Washington, D.C. to my home state of Kentucky, and she was divorced, living on her own. I suggested that she look into long-term care insurance because if she ever needed long-term care, and at the point she didn't have dementia, if she needed long-term care, a long-term care insurance policy would help pay for it. She couldn't get it because of another health issue. And I should have used that opportunity to say, Mom, let's sit down and look at your finances. Let's figure out how to pay for long-term care if you ever need it. Let's talk about the care you want. But I didn't because I didn't realize how important it was. And I don't think most people realize how important these conversations are. So, you know, fast forward several years, she starts having memory problems. And at that point, telling her that we need to talk about her finances meant telling her I could see she was having trouble remembering things. Mm. And I didn't want to be the person to tell her that. And so that that was the real stumbling block for me at the time. And but you know, I, I once I did get involved, the first thing I actually did was suggest that we meet with an attorney to update all of her legal documents. It's so, so important to do that and to make sure your parents have a will a living will, power of attorney, these documents have to be signed while you're still mentally competent. And fortunately, even though my mother was starting to have memory issues, she was still competent enough to sign the documents. Without them, I would not have been able to legally step in and start managing her finances. That's the first step we took. Meeting with that attorney was so beneficial because the attorney outlined some steps that we should take going forward so I could actually have more legal rights to my mom's accounts, like going to her bank and putting me on as her representative payee. And then the conversations just kind of flowed from there. And at that point, because I was already getting involved, it was the conversations were like, hey, mom, I'd like to come over and help you go through your mail you know, and sort, you know, the junk mail from the bills that you actually need. Because as someone with memory issues and being unable to make sound financial decisions, I mean, she was writing checks to every organization that was reaching out to her for money. And I had to make sure she wasn't sending away all of her money. We needed that money to pay for her care down the road. So I just started offering to help. That's how it worked for me. Obviously, not everyone is going to fall into a situation where they actually have to get involved with their parents' finances but that doesn't mean they don't need to have the conversation because there's so many reasons why you will get involved with your parents' finances even if there's not a health issue. you know. And, of course, when your parents die, if they die without a will, that's on you and your siblings to deal with what's left behind. And you know how that can go. If there's no will, people can end up in court fighting over who gets what.
1: Yeah, that's that's not a position we want to be in. Yeah. So you said 65 this happened for mom. And, yes. And she's still very much part of your life today. Is that right?
0: She is. It's been 10, more than 10 years since the diagnosis. She is in an assisted living facility and has been for six years now. And I make all financial decisions for her.
1: Yeah. I mean, so the, the reason I'm bringing that up again is that 65 seems pretty young to uh, to to have that conversation. But you know what? I guess how early should we be having that conversation? Because that's that seems young, but I mean it's not out of line based on your situation right here. So how early is er- is early enough?
0: I would say even before your parents reach their sixties, if possible, because you never know what can happen. I hear this from all I hear this all the time from people saying, "I don't need to have this conversation yet. We're not there yet. My parents are still healthy. They're relatively young." This is the perfect time to have the conversation. You know, not only was my mom diagnosed with Alzheimer's at 65, my father died from a heart attack at the age of 61. Hmm. And he died without a will. And he was an attorney and he should have known better. He should have had a will. He was in a second marriage even. And so that was really fun to deal with. (laughs) There's no time is honestly too early to have this conversation. If you're in your 20s, And you don't think you have your financial life together yet, especially not, you know, you don't know enough finances to talk to your parents. It's a great way to start the conversation by asking your parents for advice because it's not going to be awkward. I mean, you and I, Andy, if we went to our parents and asked for advice now about our finances, it might be a little strange because they're going to look at us like, what? You're adults. You have your own kids. You should at least know enough that you don't have to come to us asking for advice. But when you're younger and starting out, it's a natural way to get some insight into your parents' finances by asking them for advice.
1: Yeah. I think that leads into a really interesting question that I have for you. As I was reading your book, there was a, uh, a piece of research that said 10% of people would rather talk about their sex lives than their parents' finances. Why is this such a difficult topic for people to discuss? And maybe I'm saying it like I'm a you know an alien from another planet because you and I are both in personal finance, but <laughs> why is this such a difficult topic to discuss?
0: You know, what's even crazier is that a survey found that 9% of adults would rather talk to their parents about their parents' romantic lives. <laughs> then talk to them about their finances, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> that is that is a conversation I never wanted to have and <laughs> it, it It just goes to show how afraid people are of talking about money, and there are a variety of reasons. you know we we don't want to talk about it because maybe we're raised to think it's taboo. My father certainly told me you don't talk about money. It's impolite. and so if you're if your parents have told you this all your life, then you you know deep down inside that if you go to them and say hey mom and dad I really would not like to have a conversation with you about their finances they're going to say well what did i teach you when you were growing up we don't talk about this sort of thing so you've got that fear perhaps you know you might be afraid that if you start asking questions your parents are going to think you're being nosy or better yet they're gonna think you're going to be you're greedy mm-hmm. you know you're asking this because you want to know Mom and dad, what's in your will? What am I going to get? Yes. <laughs> what am I going to get? Yes. What am I going to get? And so there are a variety of reasons we are afraid to have this conversation. But I want people to realize that two things. Most likely, you are making this conversation out in your head to be worse than what it actually will be. If you have a good relationship with your parents, it might be a little awkward when you first bring it up, but if you if you approach it carefully and you let them know that you're having this conversation out of concern for them because you're looking out for their best interests because you want to have a plan and be able to help them as they age, they're they're going to realize that indeed you are having this conversation out of love. Not because you're being nosy, not because you're being greedy, but also it's so important to realize that as scary as these conversations seem, the consequences of not having them can be so much worse.
1: Yeah. So we talked about you know, people who are in their 20s, maybe using that as an um, as an opportunity to kind of break into the conversation. Hey, mom and dad, should I get life insurance? Should I do these types of things? What about people who are, like you talked about, like us, that are in their 30s, that are in their 40s, that are thinking, okay, how do I break into this? How do I make this talk easier? Do you have any advice for, for those folks?
0: So there are a variety of ways that you can start the conversation so it's not too awkward and seems a little bit more natural, you know, as opposed to, You know, get on the phone. Hey, mom and dad, let's have this conversation. Let's do it now. That's not what you want to do. For starters, you could use yourself as an example. Say you did recently meet with an attorney to draft a will and other estate planning documents. You go to your parents and say, hey, mom and dad, you know, I just met with an attorney recently. You know, my spouse and I, my partner and I, or just I drafted a will. And I want you to know that I have this document. I want you to know where it is. By the way, you know, do you have a will? Where could I find it? If You know, when something happens, do you have power of attorney? Do you have a living will? Use yourself as an example, or maybe you met with a financial planner, or maybe you used a retirement calculator and said, hey, I found this really awesome retirement calculator. It's been so helpful because now I actually know how much I should should be setting aside for retirement. You know, what 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 sort of things have you done? Do you have? Again, you could say advice, you know what helped you in planning for your retirement? I'd love to get some tips from you. You could use a life event. Perhaps your parents recently got divorced, as mine did when I was actually in college, you know, but I mean, plenty of adults are getting divorced later in life, and you could use that as an opportune moment to say, you know, mom, I know this divorce has been very difficult, but I would really like to talk to you now that dad's no longer part of your life and there to help support you financially, you know, to make any financial decisions for you if something happens to you. Let's talk about how I can help you out. What what you would need from me if something were to happen to you so I can be there and be prepared, or you could use a story. I mean, by our age, we have friends who have had a parent who's passed away. Or maybe they've had to take time off work to care for a parent. You probably have a friend or a colleague whose story you could use to get the conversation started with your parents, talking about what happens if you don't plan or the benefits of having a plan. You know, I have a friend whose parent died. They had a will. They had everything in place. They had had conversations. And it made things so much easier for my friend in a very difficult time. Let's talk so we can have a plan in place, too, to make things easier.
1: Yeah. So life events, uh, you know, things that you are currently doing in your life. I think that's great. Let's, let's talk about just for fun. Let's talk about the ways that you shouldn't bring it up just to kind of show the hyperbole. And then we'll find that good, 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 happy medium to make these conversations happen. <laughs>
0: Certainly. So I know I've heard from some people who say they want to talk to their parents because they see the mistakes they're making. Mm -hmm. And this can be a big reason why parents are reluctant to have the conversation because they haven't made smart financial decisions and they're embarrassed. And what parent wants to admit to a child that they're not on top of their finances? It's I mean, it it is incredibly embarrassing. So if you come to your parents as basically a know-it-all You know, hey, mom and dad, you know, you should be doing this with your finances. I'm on top of my retirement savings, but I know you're not, and I don't want you to move into my basement, you know, when you get older. Um, Nothing is going to shut a conversation down faster than if you come in and you're condescending. So you want to avoid it. And it's not just what you say, but how you say it. If you're talking to your parent like you're talking to a child, they're going to pick up on that, Mm. you know, the, oh, you know, bless your heart. (laughs) I I mean, gosh, mom, I just see all these people taking advantage of you and you're writing these checks left and right. I mean, mom, come on. I mean, she's going to pick up right away that you're being condescending. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to issue any sort of ultimatum. If you don't talk to me, mom and dad, then I'm not going to help you when you get older. Again, not something you want to do. You want to approach them with respect. These are your parents. And even if you know they haven't made smart financial decisions, even if you um, don't agree with what they're doing with your money, it's not your job to come in and tell them how to manage their money. You can offer them suggestions. You can offer them help. You can use yourself as an example. But the point of these conversations is to get some information, create a plan, make sure they have legal documents so that in case they really do need your help, that you can step in and have legal access to their finances if you need to make financial decisions for them, can make healthcare decisions for them, or, you know, even when they die that there is the will or the living trust in place so that whoever is left behind doesn't end up fighting over things. So be respectful, be caring, you know, and even if you don't, thank your parents for making smart money decisions. Again, it's not up to you to come in and tell them, you know, how to change their entire approach to finances.
1: We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. So we talked a little bit in, in, generalities about these important legal documents and maybe some of the conversations we should be having but let's let's drill into what those topics are we've we've talked about how to get in there and have that good conversation but what what information are we seeking you know wh- what type of information do we need to, in order to help them what are the topics we need to be talking about
0: so of course the more information you can get the better but if you can only find out one thing you need to find out if they have estate planning documents and you hear the word estate And that makes you think, oh, this is something only rich people have. You know, if you've got a mansion, if you've got a big estate, you have an estate plan. (laughs) That's not true. And unfortunately, a lot of people think this. They think, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot. I don't need a will. But that's not true. You need to find out if your parents have a will. Because if they don't have one, basically the state has one for you. And you need to let your parents know this. Mom and dad, you know... You don't have to be rich and famous to have a will, because when you die, if you don't have one, state law is going to determine who gets what, and maybe you think mom's going to get everything, but that might not be the case in our state. It might be divided evenly between mom and the kids, but mom needs everything to continue supporting herself when you're no longer there. So you need to put your wishes in writing, or else a judge is going to determine who gets what, and there could be fighting. Your parents need to have a power of attorney. This is a legal document that designates someone to make financial decisions for you if you no longer can. There are a couple of different types of power of attorney. Really, the best one to get is a general, durable power of attorney. It's like it covers everything. All you know, It, it gives someone power to make any sort of financial decision for you, and it remains in effect once you are mentally incapacitated, like in my mom's case with Alzheimer's. Because I am her power of attorney— and she can no longer make decisions i can make them for her now this is going to feel to your parents like giving up a whole lot of power and it's so important that they name someone they trust you know so you know if you don't feel comfortable in this role don't raise your hand and volunteer and say name me name me i mean you might have a sibling who's better suited for this role you might have a cousin an aunt an uncle it's so important your parents name someone they trust, and you can let your parents know you're not giving up your power. In fact, you are, you're exerting control over who gets to make these important decisions for you if you no longer can. If you don't make the decision, a judge could appoint someone or someone could step up and go through the court process. And it might not be the person you want. So it's so important that they have a power of attorney. And then finally, the living will, it's also called an advanced healthcare directive. This spells out what sort of end-of-life medical care you do or do not want. Like, do you want to be on life support? And it lets you name a healthcare proxy, someone to make healthcare decisions for you. Again, without it, if you're in a coma and you know, your grieving family members are there trying to figure out whether to keep you on life support, they have to make that decision. And they if they don't know what you want, it's a really difficult decision to make. And so you, your parents, should be the one making that decision and let them know, I don't want to make these decisions for you. This is up to you. This is why you need these documents." And they might say, "Well, they're expensive. And ideally, you should meet with an attorney. It can cost, you know it can cost up to a thousand dollars or more to have all of these documents drafted. But the cost of not having them, if your family has to go to court, to become your conservator, to make healthcare decisions, uh, financial decisions for you, your guardian. I mean, this can cost tens of thousands of dollars. There are free and low-cost versions available online. So if you can't afford meeting with an attorney, attorneys have told me, you know, it's better to have something than nothing. And certainly you as the child, if you're in a financial position to pay for this, offer your parents to do it for them as a gift. Mom and Dad, I love – for you to meet with my attorney. You know, I, I think of this as my Christmas gift to you, or think of this as my mother's day gift or my father's day gift. I want to make sure you have these documents because I want to make sure your wishes are in writing. Mm-hmm. That's where you start, start with those legal documents and then gather more information about, I mean, as, as many details as you can get about their finances, the better. Got
1: it. So you mentioned siblings Should this be a conversation that we, when we go have this talk, the talk, should we bring our siblings with us? Is it better to do it alone? How how do we, how do we make that decision?
0: You should talk to your siblings before you talk to your parents so you can decide whether you all want to be there or whether one of you is better suited to starting this conversation. You can figure out when you want to have the conversation. You can figure out how you want to start the conversation. Do you use a story? Do you talk about your own experiences? Do you ask for advice? I've got actually 10 different conversation starters in my book. So you can figure out with your siblings, which one you want to use. It's also important for all of you to get on the same page and, and and know that you know not one person is going to be in charge of things, but all of you can kind of figure out what role, roles you want to play going forward. You know, Maybe you're the financially savvy one. So you're most comfortable about, with having the conversation, offering to fill the role of power of attorney or executor of their state. But maybe your younger sister lives closer to mom and dad, and she's willing to do the hands-on work, to take them to doctor's appointments, to provide care if they need it. Figuring this out before you even have conversations with your parents can make the conversations easier because your parents are going to see you're a united force, not united as in mom and dad, we're ganging up on you (laughs) and we're going to force you to have this conversation. But mom and dad, we all care about you. We've talked about how we can help you and how we want to be involved. Of course, we want to know what roles you want us to play, but we've all agreed that we're willing to help. And this is what we can do. And of course, not all siblings are going to agree, but the least you can do is let your siblings know that you want to have these conversations with your parents and if they don't want to be involved, or it you know, let them know that's okay, you don't want to be involved. I'm going to update you just so you know what's going on because you don't want to create any resentment.
1: Yeah, that's really, really good, really good advice, good words of wisdom there, especially as you're dealing with family, (laughs) because lots of things can happen in in those kinds of of conversations. So, uh, Cameron, there's somebody uh, maybe driving to work right now, and and they're a young parent, and they're thinking, this sounds really difficult. I'm not sure I want to have this conversation. I've got kids. I've got work. I've got no time for this right now. What would you say to them?
0: I hear you. (laughs) I do, I hear you I mean, I've got so many things on my to-do list That I keep thinking, okay, I'm going to get to this I'm going to get to this For starters, put it on your to-do list You know, if you just keep thinking I'm going to do this, I'm going to get around to it The moment's going to appear magically When I'm sitting down over dinner with my parents one night And it's just going to like, the light's going to shine And I'm going to know it's time No, There might be a moment when your parents open the door to the conversation by making some comment about, you know, oh, gosh, this house is getting too much for us to take care of. And I don't know if we can do it. And then certainly, you know, you say, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about whether you should downsize now. That might happen. It might not. You, you, you so need to have this conversation sooner rather than later because, and I'm going to tell you a story. A quick one. I'll make it quick. A man I interviewed for my book, his name is Doug. Doug is a super financially savvy guy. He's even written books about personal finance, and he could see some signs that his dad was starting having issues with his memory. And he wanted to think, okay, it's not Alzheimer's. It's not dementia. I think maybe it's his blood pressure medicine. It's going to work out. It's going to work itself out. But he happened to mention to his dad, you know, Dad, do you need help with anything? Do you, you know, maybe, you know, you should get namey power of attorney no 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 well Doug didn't push it he and, and then a couple years later when his father's alzheimer's became bad enough that he was sitting at home and having a drink early in the day and not realizing he had that drink and drinking more and more and more he ended up with an ulcer a bleeding ulcer in the hospital, in the emergency room in the middle of the night, and Doug gets a call that his dad is having emergency surgery. He flies from Hawaii to Colorado. His dad ends up having to go to a nursing home for rehabilitation. And Doug can't pay his dad's bills because Doug is not his power of attorney. And when he sort of hinted at it and his dad said, no, he didn't push it. And Doug told me, you know, if I could go back, I would have pushed harder. I would have said, Dad, let's get this in place because Dad ended up spending nine months and ten thousand dollars going through the court process to become his dad's conservator. You know, and so you think I don't have time for this conversation? Well, do you have time to spend months in court becoming your parents' conservator? Do you have time to spend? Months and years going through your parents' stuff that they've left behind to make sure you don't throw away shoeboxes that have old stock certificates. You know, do you have $10,000 to go through the court process? Do you have thousands of dollars on hand to pay your parents' bills until you get access to their accounts? No, most of us do not. We don't have that time, we don't have those financial resources. And so, Having these conversations sooner can prevent some major headaches down the road. And as much as you think you have time to put it off, you really don't because you never know what's going to happen. You really don't. And it's going to give you peace of mind once you have the conversation. You're going to be like, oh, this is one less thing I have to worry about. I've got my kids to worry about and I need to be focusing on them you know, my parents are adults. Hopefully they can take care of themselves for a while, but at least I know now that they can because I know that they have retirement savings. I know they have a long-term care plan, or maybe they don't have the plan, but we're going to figure it out because we're having these conversations now.
1: Well, Cameron, you convinced me. I'm, I'm having the conversation. You know, it's funny. Um, well, it's not funny. My my <laughs> mother is currently in this position with her f- 94-year-old father. So talk about an ideal time to bring up the conversation, right? Exactly.
0: It is. <laughs>
1: so it's not, I'm I'm putting it on my to-do list and I'm going to report back to you when I've had it. So um that's uh that's something I'm going to promise you today. So there's a lot of young parents that are listening to this show. And they're maybe thinking about their kids, right? I mean, some of them maybe are infants or small children, but when When should we start talking to our kids about this future money talk?
0: Obviously, you should be talking to your kids about the general topic of money as soon as possible. And I'm, you know, your listeners are probably doing this already because they're listening to a podcast about kids and money and family. And so, if they're smart, (laughs) exactly, if they're smart, they're having these conversations. And if you start early talking to your kids about money and they know it's not a taboo topic, it's easier to have these more serious conversations as your kids get older. You don't need to necessarily tell your kids when they're in elementary school, you know, hey, I've got a will, this is where it is, because they're not even going to understand that. But as they get into maybe high school, for example, letting your kids know that you're already putting things in place to be prepared for when you're older. I mean, I've I've had conversations with my kids about, um, you know, when I die, this is what I want to be done with my body. It sounds Mormon, but they don't particularly like to hear it. But I let them know because something can happen to me at any time. And, you know, I want them to know this is what I want. And I'm so glad my mother told me that while well, she was still mentally competent. I know exactly what she wants when she dies. And thank goodness she was willing to tell me those things. You know, my father didn't. He never wanted to talk about that sort of thing. So, you know, letting them know in high school that you're taking steps to be prepared for your retirement, to be prepared for your older age. And then once they are in college or just starting out in the world, letting them know this is where my will is. This is who my power of attorney is. This is where, you know, this is who I've named as my healthcare power of attorney. And and making a list of your accounts and telling them where they can find that information in case something happens to you um, is so beneficial. You know, and of course, your spouse, your partner should have that list too so they can access your accounts. And it's something you can ask your parents to do if they're reluctant to actually tell you information about their finances Simply ask if they're willing to write it down. Write down where the legal documents are. Write down all the accounts they have, all the assets they have. Put it someplace safe. Tell you where to find it and under what circumstances you can access that information so that if there is an emergency, you have it and you can step in and help.
1: These are the important conversations, everybody. This is a family show. And in order to take care of your family, you need to be thinking about everybody, really. I mean, especially parents that you that raised you, that gave you so much in life. This is our opportunity to prepare and give back. So Cameron, thank you so much for your time today. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and, and buy your book?
0: You can visit my website, which is CameronHuddleston.com. There's more information about me and there are links on the website to the places where you can buy my books, such as Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I have some free resources. I have a downloadable, fill-in-the-blank financial inventory that you can give to your parents. And I also have a scam red flag sheet that you can give to parents because I will tell you, scammers love to prey on older adults. Print it out. Tell them to hang it up on the refrigerator, by the phone. You know, and and again, that can be a good way to start the conversation.
1: Cameron, this is a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. How you took a situation in your life and now you're giving back because of it. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: What an important conversation to have. I mean, this is the stuff that saves us heartache, time, stress and I'm already have uh, I already have ideas in my head about, a conversation that I'm going to have with my parents as soon as possible. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Cameron Huddleston. Number one, contact your siblings. This conversation will be a whole lot easier when you have your siblings informed or involved. Let them know you're considering having this conversation with your parents and what you'll be potentially talking about. The more information and the more partnership you have, The better. Number two, use life events to open the door. Randomly bringing up the money talk with your parents out of the blue might feel a little odd, right? So take advantage of a life event in your parents' life or your life to open the door for this conversation, or hey, even use this podcast interview as a conversation starter. Hey, mom and dad, I was listening to this podcast the other day, or I read this book by Cameron Huddleston, and it made me want to have this conversation with you. Whatever you want to do, use life events like, hey, they're about to hit retirement, or maybe somebody passed away that you know about. Use that as a conversation starter, and once the door is open... As Cameron tells us, the conversation will be a lot easier. Number three, talk about estate planning documents first. Listening to Cameron here this is what she said. Hey, if you're going to get any information, try to get the details on the living will, the will, and the power of attorney. These are great places to start because this is where a lot of the heartache A lot of the worry happens if it's not set in place. She gave us the story of Doug. We do not want to be in that situation. So having these conversations early, especially about the estate planning documents, is a great place to start. Cameron, thank you so much for starting this important conversation. Having these chats sooner than later is going to save a lot of people time, money, and just reduce stress in their lives immensely. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to speak with a professional for your specific and your parents specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash money. Actually, you can also just go to my website, MarriageKidsMoney, in the top right corner in blog. You can click right on the little YouTube icon. I'm Having video chats, the same thing you heard today, you could see visually, you could see Cameron and I chatting away on YouTube. So check it out, youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney. The second thing, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, share this episode with a friend who maybe also has aging parents and they need to have this money talk. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 149, session 149. And if you're new to the show, I'd highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm gonna end the show with a quote today from Lee Iacocca. The only rock I know that stays steady, the only institution I know that works, is the family. Family first, my friends. Carpe diem!